What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to The Step Back, a Mavs podcast. I'm too hot right now. Step back. <laughs> Step back. Uh. About like the Mavs, running this beat like a lab. Look at Don Chicken, the step back. Lord, that boy need a map. Dirk in his bag, I swear I feel it in the air. Dirk in the game, snapping like a crab. But he never fold when they in the jam. Dennis Smith Jr. coming with the jam. Got the whole team cooking in the lab. I say I'm the best, I'm going super sad. I'm in the boost pitting cause I can. I'm so fly and I may never land. I thank God for every one of my fans. SOD trick, just for the chance. Dirk catch five, they ain't got a chance. This came from God, this was a chance. Defense for real, coming with the clown. Uh, promise he get scary, killing beats and bury. I ain't never worry, never in the hurry. Crazy comments, it don't ever hurt me. Feelings I'm dispersing, is it really worth it? Never said I'm perfect, shine like a star. Any beat I get, I promise I'm a merchant. Still a humble servant, come in at your service. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of The Step Back, a Mavs podcast. My name is Dalton Trigg, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. You can follow along with all of our Mavs-related content on Twitter, at Dalton underscore Trigg and at Matt Galatson. You can also follow the podcast itself at Step Back Mavs, where we'll post the links for every episode. If you love Mavs basketball talk, be sure to rate our podcast and subscribe to it. We're currently on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and we will very soon be on iTunes as well, so be on the lookout for that. Matt, how are you feeling tonight? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm excited for our second episode, and I, I just got done listening to that uh, that new intro of ours, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good night. Oh yeah, I'd, little background story for people uh, tuning in and hearing our our new intro song there. Uh, my good friend Drew Johnson grew up with him. Uh, we went through elementary school, and uh, he is now an assistant college basketball coach, and I was just sitting there the other night, and I texted him up. I was like, hey, man, you do you have anybody that can uh, that would take on this project we're looking to do, customize intro song and all that? And he's like, yeah, one of my former players does that. And sure enough, he put me in contact with uh, Andrew Bishop. He's from Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, he You can find him on Twitter. It's at Drew32 all day uh he's on soundcloud just as andrew bishop and uh he's on audio mac too uh, as drew pock that's d-r-e-w-p-a-c and he told me to to mention that he has an ep that's about to drop uh on thursday so if you guys want to check out his music there uh just be on the lookout he's got he's got an ep dropping then uh but we can't thank him enough for uh, putting in the time and getting us that, that awesome new intro that should be a staple on the step back going forward. Yeah, man, it's, it's so unbelievable. It's, it's so far beyond what I expected. Um, when you said it to me the other night, I mean, we, we were talking about just texting back and forth during the Lakers game. And then about an hour later, you sent me this, 
this uh, SoundCloud link, and I was like, oh, it's just another one of his songs. And it was literally like an hour later, he just dropped this absolute Godzilla flame of a <laughs> of an intro for us, and I could not be happier. It is so good. That's what the craziest thing was about it, is how fast he did it, because... I remember we were talking about it. He was like, well, what kind of time frame are we looking at? And I was like, well, you know, we got this generic intro right now that'll get us by. I mean, I, I, I told him to take his time. It wasn't any big rush at all. And then, bam, there it was, not even an hour later. I mean, dude's mad talented. I know, man. I, when he blows up, he better give his front row seats at, uh, at the AAC when he's playing next to J. Cole. Because that dude is, is super talented, man. That's what I'm saying, but uh, getting past that, we'll just jump right into it, Matt. Uh, it's no uh, no news to anybody that the Mavs lost to the Lakers the other night was, I mean, it was just completely disheartening. Uh, you know, they had a 15-point lead at one point. They were up 13 at the half, and then Josh Hart, uh, he's the one that hit the buzzer-beating shot to make it a 13-point lead at the half, and you could kind of feel the momentum shift, and then sure enough, they were down six after the third quarter, and they went on to lose that game by ten. But, I mean, just a Lakers team that was missing LeBron on the second night of a back-to-back. You're playing at home after losing two uh, really uh, really disheartening road games as well. I mean, you a lot of mistakes. Uh, it's just one of those games where when you come home, you want to turn it around, and they just couldn't do it for whatever reason. But what are your thoughts on the Lakers game? Well, I mean, especially coming off that Philadelphia game, which um, was just an absolute slog. I mean, they played terrible the whole night. Somehow they got it within six, but it was a, it was much more of a blowout than than the six-point score suggested. Um and then the Lakers game, it was just – honestly, when the game started, I thought, man, they're going to blow them out. It's going to be a 20, 30-point win. It's going to be the Charlotte game again. And then as soon as Hart hit that shot at the half, you just knew that the momentum had shifted. And um, then when they had, they lost that lead going into the fourth quarter, you knew it was over, and it was just uh, – it was it was it was probably the most embarrassing game they played all season long, and that includes getting blown out by New Orleans. Yeah, given given the circumstances, uh, I'd have to agree with you there because you look at that New Orleans game, and I was in attendance for that first one they played in New Orleans and the second one, but the first one, you know, they lost by twenty six, but they didn't have Dennis. They were shorthanded. They were on the second night of a back to back. I mean, if you're going to lose a game that badly that was the circumstances you'd you'd lose under but the the lakers game the other night it's you know earlier in the season when they were losing a lot of these games they were getting killed from behind the three-point line opponents were just hitting all kinds of crazy three-pointers on them contested or not the lakers only made eight threes they were eight of 29 uh in that in that last game and they had 60 points in the paint to the Mavs 46 and that's one of the things that really stood out to me uh you know Brandon Ingram scoring 29 points uh 12 of 21 from the field uh he hit five of his seven free throws and he didn't even attempt a three-pointer so I mean 
they were just killing the Mavs inside, and it was just, it was like pulling teeth. No, yeah, and what was, also what was, you know, super disheartening was just the overall, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, they just looked completely out of sorts in the second half. Dysfunction um, is a word that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good way to describe it. I mean, the ball was just, like, flying around like it had Crisco on it or something, and Luca was getting cooked by Brandon Ingram. You know, him and uh, him and Lonzo combined for, I think, 50 points, which together they average half of that on the season. And, um, you know, it, it's just one of those losses that it's really just inexplicable. I mean, there's there's no reason you should not beat a Los Angeles team that doesn't have LeBron James, and it's just a bunch of young prospects and old aging vets and it, it's just um, it's just disappointing man well, I mean this is another thing that really and I mean you got to take into consideration again the Lakers without LeBron you know I think they've uh, until that game they had gone like one and four without him uh, but you, another stat you look at the Lakers had 28 assists uh and they only had 14 total turnovers. And the Ma- you look at the Mavs, they had 12 assists and 19 turnovers. That is absolutely horrible. I mean, that it's really hard to recover from something like that. No, yeah, absolutely. And even Luca's line that was when he was 27, 8 and 2, but he only shot 10 of 23. Um, he was 5 of 7 from free throws, but you know, he uh, he got cooked on defense. Um, only one turnover, his, though. Only one turnover, which is good. Um, DeAndre you know, Jordan, on the other hand, five turnovers led the team. I mean, you can't yeah, have I mean, that. It, yeah, you can't have that. I mean, he, he can't keep playing or being told to play, at least, like, uh, like he's Nikola Jokic or – or Mark Gasol, he's just not that kind of player. He, uh, he, they're paying him to, you know, protect the rim and rebound and get the occasional lob, and he's not, he's not protecting the rim. They're paying him twenty-two million dollars, and he looks like a log on defense. He's just been absolutely atrocious, and I don't know what the advanced stats say about it, but well, he's not, he's not doing what he needs to do over there. That's the weird thing because if you if you look at DeAndre Jordan at his advanced stats, especially when it comes to defense, it's one of those things where the eye test isn't necessarily uh, agreeing with some of those stats because I mean he he apparently isn't as bad as what we've what we've seen, but I mean it's pretty hard to ignore when. Uh, when you're when your seven foot center, almost seven foot center, isn't putting his hands up to contest shots and uh, moving to help defense and uh, you know all that stuff. I mean, we're seeing it with our eyes, but he's apparently not not as bad defensively as as what we think. No, and and you know obviously you know there's 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 so many other problems as well. Um, Wes Matthews. Looked like he was trying out for average Joe's gym last night, just throwing the ball around, careening it off the off the backboard. Um, he was two of eight from the field, one of six from three. He just 
man, he uh, he's he continues to do too much and um, or try to do too much. And you know, it, it's you know, we, we talked uh, during the game via text about how he um, he's just he's just not a, he should not be a starter anymore. They need to, they need to shift stuff up. I wrote about it on DallasBasketball.com after the game. Something needs to change. Uh, whether that's you know. West coming off the bench, starting Maxi, or at least playing Maxi more than five minutes, and yeah. um, it, there's just too much going wrong right now for this team to make any kind of a of a, of a recovery or in a playoff push. Well, I, one of those things that I'm I'm pretty passionate about right now that needs to change. I believe with every fiber of my being that Maxi Kleba needs to be in the starting lineup. And I think Wes needs to be moved to the bench. He needs to become a six-man. They could use his three-point shooting. Uh, obviously, he wasn't great in the in the Lakers game. He shot one for six from deep, but he's been really good from deep all season, the best he's been since his Portland days. He's, he's almost matching what he was at before he uh, tore his Achilles, but – He's just—he's not the same defender he used to be. Him being in the starting lineup is—is is keeping Harrison Barnes from being uh, slid down to the uh, small forward spot where he needs to be. I mean, it's just not working. Uh, Tim Cato wrote a piece after the game, and he noted in there that the Mavs starting lineup is—it's uh, over negative seven that's what their their overall net rating is for this year which would be the worst of any other starting lineup in the nba so i mean you 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 have to change something and i think with maxi being fourth in the league in positive net rating uh he was on that top 20 list and all all other 19 players on that list were starters i mean it it's just the most logical uh, move that the Mavs make next, and I think I think Rick Carlisle has to start Maxi. Well, yeah, I mean, and you look at it, he he can do so many things that the Mavericks are lacking right now. Like he's he's easily, in my opinion, at least the team's best uh, rim protector. He can rebound, he can shoot threes. I mean, not at a great rate, but he can shoot them. He can at least stretch the floor a little bit. And he can also step out and guard guys on the perimeter. I mean, we talked about it earlier. He, he can. He was going full court, uh, guarding people late in the game last night. He has that kind of athleticism. And for him to play five minutes and for Dirk and Dwight to combine for 28 minutes, it's, it's, it's inexcusable. And another thing about Wes – you know, we saw this a little bit last year with Dirk, or at least we, you know, we we had a hypothesis about it, about him coming off the bench. Is, I mean, he would do, I think at least, much better against second unit players rather than having to guard the opposing team's best player and have to go against the opposing team's better defenders when he can come off the bench and go against second teamers. Well, I. I think that's right, but going back to the uh, to what I was saying about Maxi starting and everything, I I don't think you you can't blame this on one particular uh, 
mistake. You know, even though I think starting Maxi would really help the team out, I don't think that, you know, that fixes all the problems that they have. You know, Dirk, it doesn't matter what amount of minutes he plays, even if it's against, you know, second team, uh, other team's second units, if he's not able to score the ball, then there's really, I mean, there's really no reason for him to be out there at this point. And, I mean, it, it hurts to say that, but, uh, I mean, if he if he can't get his efficiency back, I mean, he was, he was 0 for 10 in the Boston game. And I know a couple of those at the end were just him jacking them up to try and appease that, that very excited Boston crowd wanting him to score, but still, it, he's just, it's hard for a 40-year-old player that's been in the league as long as Dirk to come back and, uh, especially from ankle surgery, to produce the way he did before. And if you look at the history, you know, there's only, there's only three players that have played 21 seasons. That's not including Dirk and Vince Carter this year. But if you look at the uh, the other three players that did it, it was Kevin Willis, Kevin Garnett, and uh, there's one other guy I'm not thinking of. But anyway, if you look at their stats, they're horrible. So the <laughs> the few players that have played 21 seasons, it hasn't been good. So that, that kind of worries me that, that Dirk can't get back to where he needs to be. But... Uh, I talked to him in New Orleans that last game they played, and you know he was he was very positive. Uh, he says he feels good physically. He still thinks he's not where he can be, so he still thinks there's a another gear to put it in his words. But we'll just have to see. But like I said, it's not on one player. It's a it's a full team uh, effort right now, and uh, they're just they're just not very good. They got to make some changes. Well, at a certain point, it kind of has to come back to the coaching, doesn't it? It I has mean, to. When, when you when you keep trotting out the same lineups, and I know against Charlotte they kind of changed a little bit of what they do with the rotations and whatever, but like what they're doing is not working, and that at a certain point has to fall on Rick Carlisle's shoulders. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's. Uh, I don't want to say that he has too much free reign. I mean, he is the head coach for crying out loud, but like maybe, you know, and for all I know, they've done this and they, they probably have, I mean, we're not sitting in the Mavs front office watching everything they do, but maybe Donnie and and Mark and, you know, some of the assistant coaches need to sit down and be like, okay, look, we've noticed these things that we need to change and we need to start doing this or doing this or doing that, or this season is going to spiral out of control and we might get caught into a gray area in which we don't make the playoffs, which is what we want to do, but we also miss out on our lottery pick, which is top five protected. Well, Which would be a nightmare. The thing that, that would be a nightmare, uh, the thing that I don't understand, in the Charlotte game... Charlotte was missing Zeller and Lamb in that game, if I'm not mistaken. They were. But, but you're still playing on the road. And, you know, uh, Kimball Walker has been amazing this season. So, I mean, it was 
it was still an environment where, you know, you just, you weren't exactly sure how it was going to turn out for them. And then they went in there and beat them by almost 40 points. But the thing that stood out to me in that game is Carlisle did change it up a little bit. You know, we, we talked about it on the last pod, uh, a little bit about how he was, he, he, he was inserting, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and Harrison Barnes in there with, uh, three of the bench players and, he was just mixing it up. It wasn't just full five-man substitutions. And it, it seemed to keep the flow going. It kept everybody uh, in a rhythm. And it was just a wire-to-wire win. I mean, it to me, after watching that, and with the Mavs being fully healthy in that game, uh, I don't know why they, they didn't just carry that over to the, the next two games. There, there was no reason, in my mind, that they should go back to it, but lo and behold, you get to Boston, and it was it was like he went back to how he how he was doing his rotations in 2018. I mean, I I just didn't I didn't understand it. I and then he did the same. He basically did the same thing in Philadelphia, even though he was he was down a couple players there. But it was the same thing there. It was just you know five man substitutions. I just I don't think that's going to work for this team. No, and. The whole the whole thing about the five in five out thing is, you know, not only is it predictable and teams can plan around it where you're okay, you know, Luca and and DeAndre and Wes and and Dennis are all going to come out with five or six minutes left in the first quarter and they're not going to come back in until, you know, five or six minutes left in the in the second quarter and they're basically sitting for an entire quarter. I mean, I, I get that you need to rest your players, but at a certain point. You got to throw something different out there, otherwise you become. <laughs> I don't want to say this, but like otherwise you become what the Dallas Cowboys were before they traded for Amari Cooper, predictable and stagnant. Right, and and that's what they've been. Well, and I I've seen I've seen a couple people make this point, uh, for why he he rests Luca for such long stretches. You know, everybody's saying that. He he's not in bad shape, but he's not in you know the same. He's not in the NBA shape that he needs to be right now. You know he's in better shape than both of us, obviously, and you know everyone else that's probably listening uh, right now, or you would hope so. But uh, he's just not he's not where he needs to be right now, and I, I think that's probably the reason why he's being benched longer stretches. But I mean, like Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I mean, uh, to me, there's no reason why he shouldn't be playing 35 minutes a night. And yeah, he, he only played 27 against LA. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's averaging around that that number of minutes per game this year. So I mean, he's he's actually gone down from what he was in his rookie his rookie season. Now he's he's also been injured. You know, he had that sprained wrist and. That kept him out for a little bit, and then there were a couple of games where his minutes were down because of that. But, I mean, he he needs to be out on the court playing 35 minutes a game, playing through his mistakes, because that's the only way he's going to learn. He, you know, he's, he's a much-improved defender. He's a much-improved three-point shooter. He still turns the ball over a lot, though. And, I mean, that's just that's the only way he's going to grow and learn from that is if he gets consistent minutes. And... I don't think Carlisle can keep favoring Berea 
as much as he does, you know, to Dennis. I think Dennis needs to be getting the share of the minutes. And I think a lot of those players, I mean, and that like we like we were talking about in the Charlotte game, you can get him more minutes by mix, mixing him in with some of the bench guys. So, I mean, there, there's ways to do it. He, he's just not doing it right now. Yeah, and, the, and another thing is there's absolutely no reason that Wes Matthews should be playing more minutes than Dennis Smith. Ever. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. That is ridiculous. And he played 32 minutes against L.A., and Dennis played 27. That should not happen. He was shooting better. He was making better decisions with the ball. I mean, he had four turnovers. But when you're playing a guy 32 minutes because he's an $18 million player, just because he's an $18 million player, and he's turning the ball over three times with only five points, that's absurd. Well, I don't don't know... Rick Carlisle as well as as some people might but just just from what I've seen and you know what I've heard and even talking to him a few times he he just seems like the the kind of person that wants to reward guys that work hard and there's no doubt in my mind Wes Matthews is one of the hardest working Mavericks out there I mean he I'm sure he busts his butt in practice and, you know, in the weight room. And, uh, you know, he just – he gives such an extraordinary effort that I, in Carlisle's mind, he's thinking, I can't not play this guy. Even though, you know, the the stats are staring him in the face, like you should probably bring this guy off the bench but uh, and, and play him lesser minutes, make him play more within his role. But – I think that's one reason why we haven't seen a change yet. He just he has so much Rick Carlisle has so much respect for Wes Matthews and his work ethic, but I mean, it's not about that. I mean, you can't be afraid to hurt somebody's feelings in professional basketball. You have to it's his job to figure out what works and to put out, you know, put a product out there that wins. So uh, he's got to he's got to really look at that and and make some changes in the second half of the season. Yeah, and like we said earlier, I mean we're not blaming this whole thing on Wes. It's it's a bunch of problems with a bunch of the, of the pinch players. I mean nobody played well against LA. Nobody played well against Philly. Nobody played well against Boston. And it it, it it's getting to a point where. You almost have to make, I mean, we'll get into this in a minute, but you almost have to make a drastic change because what you've got on the roster, I mean, they're, they're, a lot of times they're 12 deep and they can be if they want to be. And they've got, they've got talent on the roster. They don't have enough of it, but they've got it. And there's no reason that they should be losing to teams like LA without LeBron. And, Maybe you have to make a drastic move, you know, to to kind of shake things up and, and realign people's perspective because you can't have people like Wes, who's obviously playing for a contract. You can't, you know, it's just it's just it's just bad all around. You mentioned you mentioned the the roster having talent. I mean, I know I know that 
you know, there's a lot of other Western Conference teams that have more more talent than the Mavs, but there is absolutely no reason that the Mavs should be tied for 14th in the West. I mean, that – I mean, spots 9 through 14 are pretty tight. Uh, I mean, I'll, you got to give them that. It, it's pretty tight, so they're not – they're not that far separated. I mean, they're it's night and day difference from what the Mavs are right now and what the Phoenix Suns are, which, you know, they, they play them tomorrow, tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, they're just underperforming what they're, what they're capable of. They can, they could do so much more with just a few tweaks here and there. And I agree. I think there needs to be a drastic drastic change. Uh, I think they need to make a trade, and not just for the sake of making a trade. I think there's a couple of very realistic options out there um, that would that would improve the team going forward. But even if they didn't make a trade, you know, you make a couple of in-house moves with your starting lineup and your rotations. And I think you probably win four or five more games that you've you've already thrown away at this point. Yeah, and, and, and we saw it earlier in the year when they were really hitting their stride. I can't remember exactly how many wins they had out of how many games, but it was when they climbed up all the way to, man, I think they were at sixth or seventh in the West. They won nine out of 11 at one point. Yeah, and whatever they were doing then was working. I still didn't agree with the rotations, and we talked about it constantly <laughs> about how we hated that. And if they changed that, it would be even better. But there was there was obviously something different about what they were doing then. Well, I can't tell you what it was exactly. But well, I mean, if you look at it, and again, we there's so many things you can point at, and it's not on it's not on one player, and it's not all on Rick Carlisle. Even though the further we get into the season. And if if things keep going the way they are and there aren't any major changes made, you know, it's starting to fall more and more on Carlisle's shoulders at this point. But if you look uh, after they went on that hot streak, they're 3-11 and 11 in their last 14 games. And that was when Dirk came back for that last Phoenix game. And, and Maxie's minutes started going down. And Maxie's minutes started going down. And Dirk, in those 14 games, he's been technically back. He's been cleared to play and all that. He He's only uh, played in 10 of, of them. But still, ever since he came back and, you know, the rotation, the rotations that they were used to and Maxie getting consistent minutes and all that, when all that changed, it just seemed to really – affect the team's rhythm and they they haven't recovered from it yet they had that huge win in charlotte and you kind of thought okay maybe maybe they can get back on track here but as we saw this past weekend that that's definitely not the case i mean you've uh, there's no other way around it they've got to make some big changes here or this season's pretty much over i'll tell you one change they need to make and i think I think it's uh, kind of obvious too. We've pointed it out on Twitter a few times, as as have a few of our other Mavs Twitter brethren. Um, Don't you Dwight love him? Powell, Dwight Powell is his PER, his player efficiency rating is twenty, 
I don't understand how that's possible. He plays out of control, and he's still shooting threes, even though he's 19% from three. And he had, I, I think I saw uh, Kirk Series face. Uh, I don't know his last name, sorry. Kirk Henderson, uh, that's my buddy. Kirk, yeah, Kirk Henderson <laughs> of, of, uh, of Mavs Money Ball fame. He pointed out that if you cut out a certain, there was a certain stretch where he hit like, I don't remember the numbers exactly. It was like six of nine or it was, it was a pretty good clip. If you cut that little section out of his three point shooting this year, he's shooting like 8%. So like at a certain point you have to be like, all right, Rick, well, tell Dwight to stop shooting threes, please. For the love of God. <laughs> it, and it's, it's a weird thing, too, because he shot around 33% from three last season. So he wasn't he wasn't a terrible three-point shooter. You know, last year, if he shot a three, the way he was shooting it, even though you know 33% isn't extraordinary, if he shot one last year, you're like, okay. I mean, he, he's making enough of them to justify it. He's shooting so many of them this year, it seems, like with such little success, it's like, my God, when when do you stop it? I mean, they 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 can't keep rolling him out there and letting him shoot them, can they? Well, no. I mean, it's the definition of insanity, Dalton. It's trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We're 40 games into the season and Dwight Powell still can't shoot threes. Last year was an aberration. Make it stop. Like, there has to be another option. There's probably, at any given time, four other guys on the court who can shoot threes better than Dwight Powell. Is that... I mean, unless he's on the floor of DeAndre Jordan, that's just a fact. Yeah, I mean... And, I mean, we could go on and on about the Mavs issues. I know another thing that that isn't being talked about as much lately, but... Um, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, he he had a decent game against the Lakers. He went four or five, had eight points. Uh, but you know, overall, uh, he just he hasn't been able to hit any of his three pointers lately. He's he's been ice cold, and uh, when they were on that hot streak, you know, he was he was nailing them at a forty somewhere between forty to forty two percent clip. Uh. So I mean that that's something else they've been missing. Like we've said, it's it's a lot of things we could we could probably spend two hours venting, you know, on what their problems are and what we won't change. But we'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll move on to the next item here. Um, so a report came out the other day by Sam Amico uh, that the Mavs and the Hornets, but he mentioned the Mavs are interested in trading. For Kevin Love, what are your thoughts on this? So it's kind of, for me, it's kind of like a double-edged sword type situation. Um, the first side is, I mean, he really checks a lot of the boxes for what the Mavs are looking for. Um, he's a good rebounder. He can stretch the floor with his threes. He probably shoots threes better than anybody on the Mavericks. Um, you know he. He's a good. I mean, like I said, he's a good floor spacer, but he can also pass really well. He can he can do a lot of different things, and it's 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 the kind of move where not only does it shake things up, but it gives you a guy who 
really fits your system perfectly. And he's another guy also who can create his own shot. Like a, a big problem with the Mavs when Luca is not on the floor or um, even Dennis has some problems with it sometimes is, and obviously Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes has, has tunnel vision and doesn't know how to pass to save his life. But like drives me nuts. Oh, it drives me crazy. But outside of that, like JJ off the bench, maybe they went, especially with the bench unit, like there's not a lot of guys on the roster who can make, who can create their own shot. And, and Kevin Love gives you that. Now, the other side of that is, and I think this part's a little bit overblown considering the Mavs cap situation, is his contract. And, you know, he, I think it's four years, $120 million, which obviously isn't ideal considering he's 30, which in the NBA is old. I'm 31, so if you think that's old, screw you. But, like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's uh, especially like with, when people talk about contracts, it's like, okay, well, we're going to have them for four years and it's going to be $30 million a year or whatever the numbers are. But that last year, he's an expiring contract. And if it's not working out, you move him. But also, he's still an attractive name. So, like, this summer, say, say you get him at the trade deadline. This summer, if, you know, your core of what you have is with everything else coming off the books is basically Dennis, Luca, Kevin Love, and Harrison Barnes, who's probably going to opt in, and DeAndre Jordan, who I would imagine they're going to try and resign at a lower rate. Right. But other than that, like people look at it and they're like, wow, you know, that is a strong group where something can build. Well, so I would be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think they definitely need uh, a stretch four, a true stretch four. You can't keep playing Harrison Barnes at that position. But all that being said, it, I'm not really as concerned with, with Kevin Love's contract as much as I am, you know, uh, his injury status. Like, how can he stay healthy at this point? You know, is he – he's 30 – going on 31 you know is he is he close to a decline you know uh that's more what i'm thinking as far as the money goes the mavs can afford it i mean you've got your two best players or your two young corner pieces right now luca and dennis they're still in their rookie contracts and they they're going to be on their rookie contracts for a long time so i mean you can afford to make a trade like that um, I mean, me personally, I would rather go the Otto Porter Jr. route because, I mean, he's five years younger than Love. He's not a power forward, but, I mean, he's he's a tremendous three-point shooter. I think he's being misused in Washington. Uh, I just feel like even though everybody thinks he's overrated or most people think he's overrated right now and uh, he's making way too much money, I think if the Mavs pulled a trigger – pulled the trigger on Porter Jr., he would end up being pretty close to a star in Dallas. And I think he'd definitely be better than what Harrison Barnes is right now. And Harrison Barnes is pretty good when he's not, you know, like you said, when he just has complete tunnel vision and forces shots up. But, yeah, the Kevin Love thing, I mean, 
I wouldn't be opposed to it if the you know if Casey Smith and that medical staff think he'll be okay going forward. But um, I don't even know Sam Amico. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about him. He he's got some good work and everything, but I just don't know if he has the you know the connections to know. 100% if the Mavs are really interested in love or not. But from a fit perspective and knowing that they need a true stretch four, I mean, I, I could kind of see it. Well, no, I agree with you on the whole Porter Jr. thing. I mean, I think I think he's a better fit as far as, you know, as far as age and his ability to defend. And he's a very good three-point shooter when he gets, you know, when he gets going. And I think he probably, I mean, I, I have no basis in this. It's just a, a gut feeling. But I think you probably have to give up less to get Porter Jr. than you would to get Love. So there's also that to think about. Because, um, you know, Washington is, they're one of those teams who's just looking to blow it up. They may not have admitted it yet, but everybody knows it. And... So they're looking to shed contracts, and if you if you did something like sending Wes's eighteen million dollar eighteen eighteen million dollar expiring contract and and Dwight and maybe a second round pick or what you know whatever yeah. you take back a contract I don't care like they they have much a much better hope of pulling off something like that and it might be a better all around fit. And it, honestly, it just makes it makes more sense than Kevin Love. But I'd honest, I would be happy with either one. Yeah, and I mean, it feels like we've been talking about Washington, the Washington Wizards breaking things up forever now. I mean, we we've had Brad Bill pipe dreams since you know before last season started. It seems like so. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's definitely time they the, they made a last ditch effort to you know trade for Trevor Ariza. They thought he was gonna fix everything, apparently, and obviously that hasn't fixed anything. Uh, John Wall. That was a brilliant idea. Yeah, John John Wall. He he has had the foot surgery. I believe it was foot surgery that he had, and he's out for the foreseeable future. They're gonna start owing him somewhere in the neighborhood of. 38 to 40 million next season so that hurts and they're definitely not going to be able to trade him but I think Porter Jr. is the most realistic option and I could definitely see the Mavs doing it now the Mavs themselves have pretty much you know denied interest here uh, since those reports came out on Porter Jr. but that's what they always do. That that's what they always do, and I mean it. It just makes too much sense to me. I I could see them do it. I see this, and I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. But knowing how Donnie Nelson is, and knowing how Mark Cuban is, just their their personalities and the way they operate, I could see this being an internal struggle. You know, Cuban he's not wanting to compromise cap space going. Uh, going into this summer and future summers where Donnie Nelson he's more about the here and now he wants 
he wants to, you know, make it a better basketball team where he can. He wants to have better players on the roster. So I, I could see this being a thing where, you know, Donnie wants to do an auto porter trade and then, you know, Mark Cuban probably not wanting to do it. But as we've seen, you know, in recent history, it is probably best to let Donnie handle that, that stuff. That, that is absolutely true. Um, the whole plan powder thing that has been honestly a big joke over, as far as the Mavs are concerned over the last few years with landing free agents. It's crazy. I mean, we don't have any evidence of them. I mean, you can't even count DeAndre Jordan in this, in this scenario. Like, there's no history of them signing big-time free agents. So you almost have to realize that until you become a dominant team like Golden State or I mean obviously you want to build through the draft but if you want to become a free agent destination you first have to start winning Yep. and if you're going to trade your lottery pick and go for it this year your only option to get better at this moment is to make a trade and I feel like Whoever is on the other side of that who's against it just needs to get their ass in gear because that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, uh, I mean, we we can get into, you know, a lot of other things regarding what trades the Mavs should or shouldn't make. And I'm sure there will be some more rumors uh, come up as we get closer to the trade deadline, which is on February 7th. So we're getting very close. We're under a month, uh, under a month away before we get to that. But um, next, we're gonna move on. We like we've been telling you guys on Twitter all week. We're we, we're taking your questions, and uh, if you'll send anything that's on your mind uh, to Step Back Mavs on Twitter, we've got our DMs open there. And uh, we'll answer your questions. We'll we'll start out with this one. This one's from All Things Mavs. Uh, it says discussion topic. One or uh, one or the other is bound to happen, in my opinion. So which happens first? The Mavs go cold at home or get hot on the road? Um, I'll take this one first. Uh, I I think it has to be they get cold at home because it's. They've been great at home this year. Uh, I think after the Lakers game, they're now 15-4 and four at home. But the way they've been playing lately, it's trending downhill. So there's been nothing that they've been doing to suggest that, to me, that they get um, on a hot streak on the road, considering they have the worst road record in the NBA. But also, they've, just everything they've been doing has been trending trending downwards, like I said. So there's there's no... There's nothing that points upwards to me as far as home, especially with the schedule they have coming up. I mean, I know they've got Phoenix and, you know, they've got Golden State and San Antonio, so it's going to be tough. And it's, uh, (laughs) I just, I I don't see any way that they, they even stay, if they even stay hot, you know, at all, period, no matter where it is. Well, I I don't think, I don't think they'll get, you know, ice cold at home. I think that's probably the more realistic possibility, like you said, given how things have trended lately. But 
after the Phoenix game, they've got Minnesota this week. They've got Golden State over the weekend. And then uh, they've got San Antonio next Wednesday. After that, they're at Indiana, at Milwaukee. And then their next two home games after that towards the end of January. Or, let's see, you've got at New York, at Detroit, and then you've got at Cleveland on February 2nd. So, after the Minnesota game this Friday, their next five road games are going to be against East opponents. And all of those games are very winnable, you know, except the Milwaukee game, you know, you got you almost have to assume that's going to be a loss, but they tend to play pretty well against Milwaukee, uh, at least they have lately. So, I mean, there's a chance they could get hot on the road, uh, but, you know, given what we've seen so far, I just I don't know how likely that is. But it's possible because – Well, yeah, I mean, especially when you consider they've lost to Phoenix twice on the road by double digits. Yeah. I, it, <laughs> just stuff like that, it, it just crushes your spirits. All right, next question is from Zach. He gets – right to the point here who is the Mavs starting center next year uh I'm going I'm not going to give an answer that that most people would want you know it's not the sexy answer here but uh I, I think they stick with DeAndre Jordan they've got 52 million in cap space they could come to an agreement with Jordan uh use that 52 million elsewhere and then still go over the cap to sign him back uh even though a lot of people are, are frustrated, well, fans, even though a lot of fans are frustrated with him, I think uh, management and the team itself, I, I think they like Jordan. Uh, they value what he brings as far as rebounding uh, and, you know, finishing at the rim. So I, I think they'll they'll opt to stay with Jordan this summer. Okay, and I, I agree with you. Um but just to be different, I'm going to throw out a different scenario. And I think the center that could possibly be the guy that, you know, they see as their future and could be um, really an upgrade over DeAndre in a lot of areas is, uh, is he's already on the roster and his name's Maxi Kleba. Um, I think that he's affordable. I think that DeAndre might not want to take a pay cut. Um at the level that the Mavs would need him to take that pay cut. And he could probably make the most sense. I mean, he already brings better rim protection. He's, he can do more things offensively. He's a, he's a really good athlete and he's just kind of now, um, coming into his own as a basketball player, even though the Mavs are keeping the leash on him for some, for whatever reason. But, you know, that's, that's a thing that I could really see happening. Now, back to your point though, I, I think that the, the most, um, odds are that you know the the thing that's going to happen is DeAndre is going to come back. At least in my opinion, I think he's too too close with Rick, and um, I think the fit is good as long as he can improve some other aspects of his game and stop trying to be Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Well, moving moving on to this next one here, I I think I know the answer to this, or what what you think the answer to this is going to be. It's probably going to be pretty short, but Tyler. Ask, should the Mavs consider Mark Gasol if he opts out and becomes a free agent next summer? 
I'll tell you this in every language I know how. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that's what you were going to say there. And I, I, my answer is no, too. But I will say he he would be an extraordinary fit for the roster as far as how he plays, you know, what, what the Mavs need from uh, from a guy like him. You know, he he's a center. He, he doesn't play, you know, he's a decent defender from, from what I've seen. And uh, he can shoot threes and everything. But, uh, you know, he's, he's 34 years old. And he's had foot issues, and it would have to be a really cheap contract. And even then, I just don't see him signing anybody, you know, older than DeAndre Jordan, who's 30. So, no, um, I don't either. And, um, I mean, he used to be an elite defender, but his game's obviously taken a big step down. Um, he's still a very good player, and he's probably going to do very well against the Mavs when they meet later in the season. But, I mean, moving forward in the future, there's just no logical reason to give that guy a contract, in my opinion, at least not, you know, as a starting caliber player. All right, we're going to go to Michelle next. Uh, She says, if we want to replace DJ with Vucevic, something I mentioned earlier, uh, as an option, and Wesley Matthews with Chris Middleton, is that one affordable and two, does it make us a contender, or at least a few rounds deep in the playoffs? Uh, I'll start this one. I yes, it would be affordable uh, because, like I said, they they they'll have at least fifty-two million dollars to spend this summer. That's if Harrison Barnes and Dwight Powell opt in, which I expect them to. That's also assuming there's not going to be you know another trade that has those two players going out. But yes, it is affordable. And uh, I think it would make make the Mavs a contender. Uh, I think they only get past the first round, maybe the second round, given how the West is. But Luke is going to get better. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to get better. And I think that core would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, he um, if Middleton specifically is just a perfect fit for what the Mavs do. He's a very good defender. He can stretch the floor. He doesn't have tunnel vision. He doesn't try to do too much, which is something we've been harping on all night. Um, and I, I do think that it, it would be a very good um, fit for both players, really. And, I, I, you know, obviously it's, you know, it, it's a hypothetical, but as far as affordability, they've got – as much cap space as anybody, so of course it's going to be affordable. Even if even if Harrison opts in, I, I think they could easily pull something like that off. Um, it's just a matter of being able to, to to pry Middleton away from Milwaukee, where he has thrived. And I don't, I don't know that he necessarily wants to be anywhere else but Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean it. it it's going to be hard to pry him away from Milwaukee. Vooch, though, I mean. You could you could probably get him. I think Orlando is going to let him walk. You could get him easily in a trade right now, in my opinion. But uh, we're going to move on to our last question here, and it's from Hayden, and he asks about the odds of the Mavs pursuing Kristaps Porzingis this summer because there's been a report that New York doesn't want to give him the full guaranteed max. 
Okay, well, I'll make this one short. This is a pipe dream. Um, he, you know, obviously he's a, a, just an absolute dream for the Mavericks, and it would be, I mean, don't tease me, come on, this is just too much. But <laughs> there's, there's no evidence that he is going gonna, is gonna to get out of New York. I mean, they want their, their, their hope is to have a core of Kevin Durant and Chris Ops and probably Zion Williams. And if they keep doing this terribly, so I, I, as much as I want it to happen and fish, fish is going to have something come out, coming out about this soon, but I just, I just don't see it happening. I, I could see the Mavs chasing after him. Like you said, I don't know what, what the chances are of New York actually letting him walk, but I'll say this. If they're not going to give him a fully guaranteed max, they obviously have some concerns about his his knee going forward. You know, it feels like it's been forever since we've seen Porzingis on the court. And, uh, I mean, they, he, there's no set timetable for him to return to action right now. So, uh, it could be a while before we see what he looks like. I mean, I don't even know if he, he's going to play the rest of this season. You'd think he would, but... I mean, he may just, you know, take his chances into the summer, but I could see the Mavs, you know, doing a fully guaranteed max, you know, structure it similar to how they, they stole Chandler Parsons from Houston, even though this is a whole other animal with with Porzingis. But I think they have a shot. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it's hard to see the Knicks letting him walk. But if he did, oh my goodness. So yeah. <laughs> And they do have the dirt the dirt card in their corner. He is a big fan of Dirk, so I that, guess we'll just have That is true and Porzingis played against Luca overseas and uh, they seem to have a pretty good relationship too. So we'll we'll see how that goes. We're definitely with Hayden on that idea there. But for sure. Well, this completes our our second episode of the step back uh it's it's going to get better every week we plan on having some special guests in the near future uh, uh how how you feel about our second episode being in the books uh very good just uh i would like everybody to please like rate and subscribe as, as often as you can tell your friends so we can keep growing and keep bringing you better content yep and like i mentioned in the in the opener we've we've got our podcast on anchor it's on google Podcasts. it's on spotify breaker pocket cast radio public stitcher and like i said we're gonna have it on itunes they they tend to be a little bit slower than than the rest of them but it's coming it should be any day now so uh yeah we'll get ready for the the phoenix game tomorrow and then they'll take on minnesota friday and uh, we'll get back on here as soon as we can and recap what's going on with the maps. All right, sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. Yep, we appreciate all you out there listening. It's crazy. Music in Texas, man.